Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. job tomorrow so we're going to do this a little early my guest also has to get up early so we're a little earlier today and uh, we're going to just take you through what it's like to draft in this time of the year Uh, when I first started doing radio uh, my my partner at the time called this part of the season the desert and it really is it's like a desert in the sense that if uh, news is water there's just not a lot of news And so it's very easy to fall into some bad habits during this time of the year, so I thought I would write my weekly article. I don't remember reading too much about this out in the market so far. Um, So how to draft in the desert is our topic today, but we're also going to get to know our guest, Ryan Links. Um, You can find him at FFLinks, L-I-N-X, F-F-L-I-N-X, I believe we'll He'll correct me if I'm wrong in a minute. Uh, We're doing this podcast for Fanball. We're sponsored by Fanball, the new home of MFL 10s, where you can have more states, more options, and more fun. Fanball is where I do the lion's share of my drafting. Um, I'm up in the 70s or 80s already, so a lot of of drafts, and uh, I'm finding it tough this year. i got to admit, I'm finding it tougher um, I think be- because of a couple things going on right now, um, one of which is that ADP is on the site as you draft, which is um, really interesting and makes it um, a little harder to find value. Um, in other words, the values, everyone's seeing the values. So um, that's one thing. And again, sponsored by Fanball. And my guest, Ryan Links. Ryan, did I get that Twitter uh, correct? Yep, that's correct. How you doing, Todd? I'm doing good. So, Ryan, you are in between shifts as a police officer. Is that not correct? Yeah, that's correct. Did you ever serve in the military? No, I didn't. Okay. So I could wish you a happy Memorial Day, and I guess I will. Happy Memorial Day. As to you and uh, all the uh, all the military out there, you know, thank you for your service. 
Absolutely. So take us through a little bit of your history overall in drafting in best ball and your success rate and why anyone should pay attention to other than the fact that uh, I'm having you as a guest. Uh, I started doing best ball about four or five years ago, uh, mostly just on MFL. And I do bulk of my, well, I guess now fan ball. Uh, I do bulk of my drafts on fan ball and FFPC. Uh, in the five years that I've been doing four or five years that I've been doing it, uh, pretty much come out on top every single year. Uh, last year, call it luck or whatnot, I had a very good year. And, uh, that's it. What was your ROI last year? To be honest, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I probably cashed in about 70 to 80% of my leagues. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So um, tell us, um, this is an unusual time of year to to draft with a, without a lot of news. Um, any any tips that you have before I go into the ones on the article? Or, you know what, let's just get from you first just the kind of a sense of how you're finding this year. You heard how I mentioned the fact that I'm finding this year a little more difficult. It just seems to be, to me, a little harder on fan ball with MFL tends to find value. Uh, are you finding the same thing? I definitely agree, especially later on in the drafts, in the second half of drafts. Uh, this is kind of like the first year that I feel that there's not, like, very easy value to find in the later drafts, maybe because of the ADP being on the site. Uh, but it's definitely a lot more difficult than it has been in years past. Yeah, and how have you adjusted your drafting, if at all, because of that? Uh, I haven't really adjusted it too much, Uh you know, I won't go off the ADP. I just kind of go off my own list of the guys that I like, and I'm not afraid to take people, you know, a couple rounds before if it's, even if it's off the ADP. You know, that's interesting because there's a chat on, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't know if this person knew who I was. I mean, they had done like two drafts, and they made some comment about me. You know, uh, I, I did one of those. I guess like right in the middle of the night, I must have woken up and made a pick and not realized it was a league where I was back-to-back, so I didn't make the second pick. So I woke up to a couple snide comments, and and then the guy goes, yeah, well, I guess he's tired from uh, reaching all the time. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, not that I think that I'm like the greatest guy or the greatest drafter, but, I, you know, I, I, I've done pretty well myself. And if I'm reaching, I'm doing it for a reason, and um, it, it's funny how some, you know, how certain people could view what reaching as a terrible negative. But to me, um, I, I would always, if there's a guy I think's a great value, I'd always rather make sure I get him around early than take a chance on missing him right around his ADP. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I'd rather you know reach round or two early than miss the guy that I like. And if you go by the ADP, I mean, everybody's going to end up with the same drafts. You kind of have to differentiate yourself a little bit. And, you know, if the guys that you like are the guys that do well, you know, you're going to end up with a very good ROI. Yeah, and the other thing that I that I have uh, done is based I, – I tailor the front half of my draft a little bit 
based on what I'm seeing at the end of drafts. And I've always done that, but I think it's a little more important now. Like for a while, I was finding a lot of value uh, right at the end of drafts with Frank Gore and Darren Sproles. I felt like I could get four or five running backs, and I knew that I could get a good sixth one instead of a third defense in the last round. Um, but lately, you know, right after I started posting about it, someone uh, posted uh, an article on Sproles on uh, Roto World. So all of a sudden my 20th round in the bag value is in the 15th or 16th round. But um, there's definitely some guys that I'm following, finding that fall right to the end of the draft. And, and if you know, if I know I can get Corey Coleman in every 20th round, you know, there's a good chance that I'm not going to take my seventh wide receiver into the 20th round. Who are a couple guys that you feel that way about right now this year uh, where, you know, if you know they're going to be at the end of drafts, you'll, you'll adjust your strategy and leave a, a, a roster spot at the end for that person? Uh, there's definitely a couple of guys I like towards the end of the draft, some guys like uh, Albert Wilson, Richard Matthews, uh, DeMarco Murray, uh, you know, even though he doesn't have a team now, eventually he will sign with somebody. Once he does, I'm sure his ADP will jump up five, six rounds at least. Uh, yeah, he, he's Barber, a tough one. For me. He's a t- Who is the other one? Uh, Peyton, Peyton Barber, Javorius Allen. Yeah, uh, I don't get the Javorius Allen one. What, what's the? I get Peyton Barber, but I, you know. I've started taking some Albert Wilson. I think you and I were arguing about this on Twitter, weren't we? Uh, we might have been. And uh, so I've started taking a few shares because I literally had none. So my feeling is that my glitch with Albert Wilson is Danny Amendola, right? Like if Danny Amendola wasn't there, I would feel a lot better about Albert Wilson. I know they paid him a lot of money, and that does mean something, but I don't think the Dolphin offense is going to be very good. You've got Parker and Stills. You've got Kenyon Drake. And, you know, I just feel like Albert Wilson could easily be that guy who gets 50 catches for 100 yards and and a touchdown and never has a week over like 12 points and really doesn't add a lot to your best ball team. Uh, Tell us why I'm wrong about Albert Wilson. Uh, He's just very efficient when he was on Kansas City. Uh, He didn't get the playing time that he probably should have. And I feel like uh, the Dolphins know that, and that's why they paid him. And, you know, you got Jarvis Landry leaving, leaves a lot of uh, targets on the table. And even if he, Albert Wilson doesn't have those huge games that late, it's nice to at least have a nice baseline for maybe your wide receiver three or flex. And it'll probably end up being used, even if he's only getting you 10 to 12 points a week, it'll still probably be used a decent amount throughout the season for you. Yeah, and, and DeMarco Murray's tough for me because – there's a chance it's just a wasted draft spot, right? There's a chance he doesn't end up on a team. I mean, we saw it last year where, you know, I I put a lot of draft capital into Jamal Charles, you know, starting in the 13th round, and then he was in the 15th round, and he wasn't signed, and he finally signed, and, and you know, he just never did that much. Um I, you know, there definitely again, is that. There definitely is that I chance. have some DeMarco. Don't get me wrong. I've been mixing him in, but he's not a guy I've been putting a, a heavy amount into. 
because you just don't, you know, if he has, I just feel like if a guy hasn't been signed this late, it's rare that he's going to sign somewhere where they just give him the ball. You know what I mean? Like Charles last year was out there, out there, out there, and then they brought him in to compete in Denver, and he was the, the one-third to a two-third. And I, I, so I'm, maybe I'm a little snake bit, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, you definitely could be right, but uh, that late, I mean, he's somebody who's proven that he's, you know, he's still got some juice. And especially the running back position, so much volatility, guys get injured. Even if he doesn't sign in the offseason, I'm sure at some point he'll be on a team and I'm sure he'll get his chance to uh, contribute. Now, you've historically not been a big fan of zero running back, but you mentioned to me recently that this year you could actually see merit in the strategy. Can you explain to us why? Uh, I feel like it's very running back heavy this year, and I do tend to do most of my drafts running back heavy, but especially towards the back end of the first if you're you know, picks 9 through 12, uh, a lot of times you can end up with two guys like Odell Beckham and Julio Jones, and then maybe come back around you grab like a Travis Kelsey, and there just seems to be a lot of value getting pushed down because of everybody drafting the running back so early. Nice. So um, I agree, and I'll tell you about something that I did uh, twice now. I noticed that I wasn't getting a lot of Antonio Brown, and that when I would get him, I would get him, you know, so here's the, the temptation was early in the season to get the four running backs early. And now Kamara is going one five sometimes, and there's a temptation to take him. So I, 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 a combination of not getting many fifth picks and um, it has left me, you know, a little short on A.B., so I took him once recently, I think, at 1-4, and I just took him again at 1-2. And, you know, what I think is when you are at the top of the draft board and you go running back at uh, – if you go A-B at 1-5, typically when you come back around the other way, either Evans or Green or both are sitting there, at, and to me they're the best guy on the board – over McCaffrey or uh, McCoy. So then I end up going two wide receiver. And, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But with the trouble getting running backs, then it seems like I'm, I feel like I'm forced to take Drake in the third. And I, I, I just don't like my team as much. So what I did was I took A.B. at 1-2. And I think we all know at this point that there's a bunch of running backs like Freeman and – uh, Mixon and uh, Howard going right at the end of the second round, early third, and I, I did. I ended up getting uh, McCoy at two eleven, and I got Mixon at three two. Oh. And I thought that that was a, you know, really good start to you know that I got A B and two good running backs there. What what's your thoughts about? And again, this is the time of year where we've all got a number of drafts in. And I felt like, you know, you have to mix up your portfolio. You don't always want to draft the same way every time you get a draft spot. What are your thoughts on me taking A.B. at 1-2 and just after that, the whole theory of mixing up your portfolio? Uh, especially early on, I guess it's better to uh, mix up some players. And like you said with Antonio Brown, there's 
you know you're going to get at least two decent running backs on that turn if you wanted to go running back, running back. And I feel as though once it gets like the middle of the third round, there's a huge drop off from running back where you know, you're going off. to Kenyon Drake and yeah. So if you could start with Antonio Brown, you know you're pretty much guaranteed. You're not guaranteed. You're guaranteed to at least get one running back that you're going to like, and you might even get, you know, Mike Evans or somebody slipping down to two eleven. It's definitely a valid stra- uh, strategy. Yeah, and and as again, as, uh, I. I- I don't mind going three running backs to start, but pretty much every draft that I do where I get the one, two or the one, three or the one, one, I end up with three running backs to start. And so I, you know, I just thought it would be good to have one with Brown who is, you know, easily could be better than Zeke or David Johnson or even Bell this year and then get the two running backs rather than having every draft like that start out three running backs. I do agree. The only thing that I could argue against is that uh, with the running back falling off so quickly at three in, like, the third round, you know, there's wide receivers in, like, the seven through ten range who could be easily top 24 wide receivers where you're not really going to find, you know, as much value in running backs, even though you will find some. Yeah, in that range, I'm finding that uh, Crowell is a guy that – I've been I've been liking I I don't mind Marshawn, uh, but in general those running backs that were in the tenth round, you know, a month ago are in the you know late eighth and ninth round now. Yeah, and Mac has yeah, gone crazy. A lot of the running backs are being pushed up. I mean, Mac has gone crazy. I mean, you know, I get it, but you know, I, I he just doesn't seem to ever be on the board when I would pick him. But Mac going in the eighth round, I think it's, you know, if any place is a place where uh, DeMarco Murray could come in and actually get some snaps, it's Indianapolis. And they drafted this Hines guy. I would much rather draft Hines in the 13th or 14th than Mac in the 7th or 8th. That is true. Uh, The one guy I've been kind of zoning in on is uh, if I get Lamar Miller in the sixth round, he tends to be uh, one of my favorite picks throughout the draft. Yeah, I like him too. I mean, I don't think he's the most effective player anymore, but and I've I, and I really do like uh, what's his name in the backfield with him, Foreman. Foreman. Yeah, I like Foreman a lot, but that injury, you know, Foreman, you know, Miller could give you six good weeks if 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 uh, Foreman co- goes on pup, even if he comes off pup healthy and ready to go. You know, you get six definite running back week, you know, running back, you know, solid weeks out of Miller, you know, even going into week seven, even if Foreman ends up being the 1A and Miller the 1B, you're not killing yourself. Well, especially uh, last year with Lamar Miller, uh, the few games he did play with Watson, I believe he was the running back eight overall in points. So even if Foreman starts off on the pup, you could see Miller start uh, the first few weeks hot with uh, Watson. And they might just stick with him. Uh, on Memorial Day, is it fair to say that Foreman is growing? <laughs> that is definitely uh, he's a definitely bad one. Definitely yeah. a, a grown. All right, so he, let's go through some of the how to draft in the desert tips that I've given, and you can give me your thoughts. You can agree, okay. you can disagree. Uh, one way is what we're doing right now is try and learn and improve from people who have had a history of success like yourself. 
if you're in drafts with guys who are really good, uh, I think studying the way that, you know, their habits and some of the key ways that they draft, um, I don't know that copying their players is always the smartest strategy, but definitely keeping an eye out on their, um, just the way they go about their business. Have you ever really looked at some of the other people who uh, are good or listened to them, uh, things of that nature? Uh, yeah, and especially something like, you know, if you use Twitter, it's a great platform to, you know, follow guys who do a lot of the best balls. And even in the drafts, I'm always looking to see other guys that I always compete with or that I know are very good, see what kind of picks they're making. And to me, the roster construction is almost – if not more important than the players you pick. So you kind of want to see what roster construction a lot of them are using. I agree. And that, that was my next topic. Um, you know, I, I, it's not that I didn't think roster construction was important, but, you know, I won 29 leagues last year and in analyzing them, I mean, when I went two, five, seven, Three three, I won twenty percent. When I went two six seven three two, I won twenty six percent. And there was no other construction that I had where I think I won more than fifteen or sixteen percent. And some of them were as low as seven or eight percent. So I really tried to tighten up my roster construction this year. And I think it's easy in this, you know, if you do a lot of drafts and there's not a lot of news, I think. Uh, Sticking to a, 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 a good roster construction is a strong tip. What do you think? Uh, definitely, and those are two actually my favorite roster constructions. And the one thing I've noticed that I've been doing a little more this year that I didn't do last year was I'm a little uh, – I've been taking two tight end, whereas last year I would have taken three every every draft. Because now I'm finding myself I'd rather get the guys like Kelsey or Ertz, some of those earlier guys, and pair them with somebody like uh, – Delaney Walker, George Kittle, or somebody that I like, and I'm fine with just having two of them as long as I don't have you know, a guy like Reed or Eifert who's very injury prone. Yeah, I've been do. I still do way more threes than I do two at tight end. Again, I, I did real well with that last year. Um, but if I don't take Kelsey very often, I don't take Ertz very often, I don't take Gronk very often. But if they drop a half round. Or you know, or three quarters of a round, and they're the value on the board. I take them, and then a lot of times I will mix them with an Olson or a Rudolph or a Walker. And sometimes I'll just take like Olson and Rudolph, and I'll say, you know what, I'm good. And um, it, yeah, it gives you solid guys. I think that's okay. Yeah, I think that it gives you that extra pick. And with running back being so tough this year, it can give you, let's say, a two six. Uh, two six seven two three, which could yeah, really even... go ahead. I don't know. Even something like uh, in the last round, if you grab your you know your first running back's handcuff, it's not necessarily a bad idea, considering that you need to have two running backs throughout the whole season. You get somebody like Gurley, you know, if you draft his his backup in the twentieth round, it's not a bad strategy as well. You know, you have that backfield locked up. I don't do too much of the, um, you know, the true handcuffs. I do the stack cuffing sometimes. I haven't done a lot of it this year. There just hasn't been too many situations I liked. Um, but, the, you know, the one that I, I like, you know, there's two that I like. I don't take too much hunt 
because I don't think he's a great value. But if I do, you know, where is like a free square in the 17th round? Sure, he might not come back from injury. But if he does, Hunt with Ware with a combination of a first and a 17th is pretty good value. And the other one, we talked about Kenyon Drake, but you put Frank Gore with Kenyon Drake on the same team, and I think you've done pretty good considering you can get Drake in the, the late third and you can get Gore a lot of times in the 20th. I like that strategy. And another one that I like is even if you get two late guys who are uh, PPR backs, maybe like a Clement in the 12th or 13th, and then you get a Sproles in the 16th, 17th, you can lock up kind of like the PPR scat backs, and both are like a cheap value. Yeah, that, I thought about that one recently. Um, the other thing, you know, we talked about two tight ends. That kind of falls into what I consider advanced roster construction. And by advanced roster construction, again, going back to taking A, B at two, when 90% of the time, everyone, 99% of the time, the running backs are going one to four, is it gives you, you know, if you do that a couple times, it mixes up your portfolio and if it happens to work and you get three or four wins that way, you know, boy, that, that, that can really help your overall ROI. Uh, doing two tight ends when you normally do three. Um, you know, things like that, I, I, I consider uh, advanced roster construction has to do with more when, when you take your um, positions rather than the amount you still stay within your overall roster construction, but advanced roster construction to me is mixing up when you take the players. Thoughts on that? Uh, I tend to kind of just treat every draft separately. And for the most part, the first five or six rounds, I usually won't really worry about the roster construction too much. I'll just take kind of the best player available. And then the later rounds, I'll maybe try to, you know, if I don't have enough running backs or receivers, then I'll try to fill it in. But I don't really worry too much about uh, exposure because it could go both ways. You could have a guy, especially later on in the drafts, uh, you know, for example, a guy like uh, last year, you know, if you had like Robert Woods or Rashard Matthews or any of those guys late and you took them over and over again, those are guys who could help you win, uh, win seasons. Yeah, I don't mind it late. I've got some heavier roster construction this year than I have in some other years. I'm really big on the Tennessee defense. I'm in the I'm in the mid 40s on the Tennessee defense, which, when you consider I'm only drafting two defenses in most of my drafts, is is pretty darn heavy. Um, but another guy that um, I'm over 30 percent on a couple guys, and last year I wasn't over 23 percent, and I didn't go out of my way to stay that low. But I've got 32% of Mike Wallace. I've got 27% of Jared Cook. I'm up to 24% on Paul Richardson. I've got 23% of Jay Ajayi and John Brown, 23% of Cam, um, 22% of Corey Coleman. So I definitely have some higher exposures than I did in the ha- in the in, in last year. But you will notice all those except for Cam are people that I'm drafting late. Yeah, and Cam is every year seems to be one of the best guys at quarterback. You know, he always seems to be lingering around the ninth round when he has, you know, quarterback one potential. Yeah, I'm down but also, to. Also, going back to the defenses. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Finn. Go ahead. I don't know. Going back to the defenses, I know a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people will, 
use the three defenses, but in MFL, it's only 20 roster spots. I kind of just like to have the two defenses because, you know, there's no injury. You're not going to get an injury to, you know, your def- the defense are always going to be playing. You're not going to get an injury to them. You're not going to lose them to the season. So I'd rather have that extra spot, either a tight end receiver or or uh, running back. I feel the same way, but I tend to want to get, you know, like I've got a cutoff. Pretty much it's Green Bay and, and San Francisco. And after those, you know, they're going around 226 for Green Bay and San Francisco's 231. After that, I really, if my second defense is after that, I'll tend to want a third. Uh, but, I, you know, I've been mixing up a lot of New Orleans and Chicago and Tennessee and San Francisco, you know. So I'm mixing it up, but there, there's, uh, you know, I really feel like you can get a nice advantage, you know, with two defenses as long as you get a, two that are pretty good. And this is actually, I mean, I always used to wait until the 18th or 20th rounds to take my two defenses, but with there not being as much value in the later rounds, sometimes I don't mind drafting like a, the Eagles if they're there in the 15th round or, you know, some of the top defenses if they're there around 15, 16, if there's not too much value that I like there. And this, and this is, goes back to point one about listening to smart people on Twitter. I saw you tweet about that, and I said to myself, you know what, he's right. And so I don't go out of my way to take an early defense, but I think I saw the Rams in the 14th or 15th recently, and you never see them there. And so I took a Rams defense. But before I did, I I looked to make sure there wasn't anyone I loved at a regular position. And I think, you know, as much as we talk about not taking an early defense, if you don't have – you know, if you've got like 30 guys in a tier – and you're not going to, you know, your next pick or two, you're going to still get someone in that tier. You know, why not take a better defense once in a while and mix it up? I think I think that's a very good strategy. And especially since I always roll two defenses, you know, if I can have a Philadelphia or Minnesota, you know, it, it just helps with having the two defenses. You don't have to worry as much. Yeah, I uh... – I mean, we all know how volatile defense is, but you know the the one that I I, I take you know I'll take if they're around back and you'll still see them sometimes in the 16th is the the Chargers. I mean, I think the Chargers in the 16th is a really good pick. Yeah, definitely. So um, you know we talked a little bit about exposure so far. Um, you know, for me, it's always I know you don't track exposure and it's not a big deal for you it's definitely a bigger deal for me because I've had seasons ruined with a lot of injuries and so my mantra for anyone who listens is I'm a tier drafter right I'm not going to you know chase exposure you know I'm not gonna if I've got two guys on a higher tier and I own a lot of both of them and they're the only two guys on the tier, I'm going to take one of them. I don't care how much exposure I have to them. But if you've got four or five guys that you tend to like around the same, I mean, if you look at the scoring at the end of the season, a lot of times the guy in 10th place scores 231 points and the guy in 15th scores, you know, 215. And those 16 points broken up over 16 weeks is one point. And so, 
you know, I with injury being such a prevalent part of the NFL, I will mix up my exposure with tears to, as a way to uh, hedge my bet. As long, you know, again, as long as I don't love one guy more than the others. It's definitely not a bad strategy. It's something that I probably do think of in the back of my head, but I just don't really, uh, I don't really worry about it as much. The other thing that I. I think that you know you can do this time of year. There's not a lot of news, but you have to make sure because there's not a lot of news that we're not overreacting to the news that does come out. Because we need to remember that these NFL writers they get paid to write things, and sometimes they'll write things that are you know it's not really actionable, but people take them as actionable just because there's nothing else going on. Um, Talk about your filter when it comes to listening to news at this point of the season. Uh, I'm always definitely tracking news, but I always kind of keep my own perspective on players in my head. I try not to, you know, try, I try not to look into the hype as much as everybody else. And it also becomes a great, uh, a great time where the guys that you value who aren't being hyped up might fall back a little bit. You might be able to get a little bit more exposure to them rather than chasing the hype of the uh, players and- that are being hyped up around them. On the NFL. Yeah, and then the other thing is opportunities. Um, I'm I'm a big one for you know in daily fantasy. Adam Levitan is always talking about opportunity. Al Smizzle is always talking about opportunity carries, and you know I think during the slow news cycle, this is a great time to really think about situations and who might find their way into a bigger role than we're thinking they're going to get. And, you know, it's uh, – or or someone who might not get the role. So, like, a guy that I was really high on early that I've, I've taken a step back on is Sterling Shepard after they signed Saquon Barkley. Um, you've got OBJ, you've got Barkley, you've got Engram, you've, who I wasn't drafting much anyway – and, and you've got Shepard, and I'm not saying he's a bad pick in the eighth round, but a lot of times now I'm just finding someone else I like as much. Um, I mean, a guy like that might not get as much of an opportunity now, right? I actually had a lot of Shepard early on in the, uh, you know, February, March. Uh, yeah, me too. And I've definitely limited my exposure to him since then, since the Barkley signing. But you also get a guy oh. like uh, Tyler Lockett, who, you know, has been hyped up for years, never really lived up to the hype, but now, you know, they lose Jimmy Graham and Paul Richardson, and he's all of a sudden the de facto number two. And he's pretty much going in like the 13th through 15th round. Yeah. And you don't really hear I, much I, uh, about him. This is a great time to buy him before, you know, before maybe he starts getting hyped up in the preseason. Or Well, and I think I've got 13% of Lockett which is, you know, that's almost double average, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, But a guy like I I already mentioned, I've got a lot of Paul Richardson. I mean, I think people think that because Alex Smith historically has struggled, uh, you know, but Richardson, they they paid him number one wide receiver money. Doxson is really the deep guy there. I think you're going to see Richardson, you know, I I think you're going to see Richardson not just be a deep guy. And I I think they're going to try and make him a true number one receiver. Uh, And, you know, his ADP is 147, which means you you get him in the 13th round. But 
There's times you find him in the 14th or sometimes even the yeah, – no, 14th is the latest I see him, but I just find myself, you know, as I find myself taking him as my sixth receiver a lot. Yeah, and if you go find guys like that who have the potential to be the number one on their team, you know, that late, then it's somebody you should try to, you know, get as much stock in as you can. Yeah. Especially in the later so, rounds. Yeah. So you mentioned Lockett. I, I thought of Richardson – and then, um, but I, I like Tyler Lockett. But the other guy, and I don't have as much as I would like because I t- tend to. T- I only have one share, which is, and I got a couple in uh, in other formats. But Amari Darbaugh is uh, a guy that I think could do something. Yeah, he could be the de facto number three there, and there's you know a ton of targets that are that left the team, and he's pretty much free I, in every I single like, draft. I mean, I like I like guys who played well in preseason, and you know, you thought, wow, this guy's going to get a chance, but they don't, and then everyone forgets about him. But he didn't not get a chance because he wasn't good or they didn't like him. He didn't get a chance because Lockett stayed healthy, Richardson had a good year, and Baldwin was there, so he was never going to be on the field a ton. And then you had Jimmy Graham, but. I think you can look at it and say the fact that they let Richardson go shows that maybe they had some faith and didn't really go out and draft someone is that maybe they do have faith in this guy. Yeah, and he's another guy who, you know, come preseason can maybe run to the splash break and you could see him all of a sudden going in the 13th, 14th round where now you could basically get him in the 20th round every single draft. Yep, and, and these types of opportunities are very important. So in the desert, in the slow season, be careful of the news that you listen to. Make sure to stick to proper roster construction. Consider advanced roster construction to mix up your portfolio. Uh, track your exposure. Um, I use Mike Beer's Best Ball Command Center to track mine. I recommend uh, it very highly. Uh, Mike and uh, Joe Pano are, are there. They answer everyone's questions. There's a great community. Um, it's really cheap, and Mike has some great tools that I think will make your best ball better. Uh, but I use that, and I just like keeping an eye on my exposure. Even if I don't care that much about exposure, I still – and I do. But even if I didn't, I'd still want to know what my exposure is. Because you don't want to wake up one day, like last year there was a guy I woke up and I had like 42% of in the eighth round. And I'm like, okay, as much as I like this guy, I need to I need to cycle back on him. And it turned out not to be a good decision because it was Zach Ertz. But, uh, yeah. but uh, these are some and, – and look for opportunities. These are some things that you can focus on while there's not a lot of news. Ryan – Tell us, tell us something we don't know. Tell us a little bit more about your strategy and how you go about things um, in best ball on MFL 10. Uh, I don't tend to use ADP as much. I kind of have my own thoughts on players. And while I do take the roster construction into consideration, and I always do another roster construction filled to the numbers that I like, the first – seven, eight rounds, I never kind of tell myself that, you know, I want two, three running backs in the first four rounds. I just kind of let the draft come to me because every draft is different. And, uh, 
you just got to kind of take the guys that you like because if you, if you just go off the ADP, the team's just going to be like everybody else's. And the ADP's not always right, so you just got to kind of trust your own feeling. Yep. And um, let's just finish up by talking a little bit more about running back. Um, you know, are there any guys that are kind of under the radar that you like that we haven't discussed so far? Uh, like early on or later? Or? Anywhere. Uh, how are you? How are you cobbling together this position in an era when people are overvaluing them? Uh, especially if I grab like two or three running backs in the early part of the draft, I will tend to wait maybe a little later. Grab guys like Peyton Barber, who should have a role, or maybe even like a Corey Clement have a role, but their role could expand if the person ahead of them doesn't pan out or gets injured. And if I don't go too running back heavy, I try to load up and maybe I'll have six or seven running backs rather than five. And I'll draft a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, high upside guys towards the end. Yep. Those are some great tips. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, Like you said, just everybody, uh, especially at this time of the year, you just kind of want to uh, stick to what you know, and there's going to be a lot of hype. A lot of uh, a lot of guys are going to get pushed up, you know, seven, eight, you know, get pushed up five, six, seven, eight rounds, and you don't want to just uh, go off of, you know, off the hype. You always keep in mind your thoughts on the players, and always use like, per se, Twitter. You know, it's a great uh, it's a great outlet to get news on players and thoughts on players and see what some of the best best ball players are drafting and their thoughts on players and that's basically it. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you very much for joining me again. Uh, tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at FF links, L I N X. All right. That is going to do it for today. Um, next week, we're going to do another all about ADP episode with my buddies, uh, overhyped sleeper and Michael Leva. Uh, so Dan and Mike will be on next week and uh, looking forward to that one. And uh, they're all kind of in what we call like the second tier group, right? Ryan, we're, we're not all very famous, but uh, we, we think we're as good as anyone who drafts, correct? Oh, of course. And those are two of the best, the two of the best out there that you're going to have next week. So everybody make sure you uh, give them a listen and a follow. Yep, and uh, follow Ryan on Twitter and check out my article tomorrow, and that's going to do it for today. And remember, Fanball, more states, more options, more fun. Uh, Really enjoying the new software this year. They're doing a great job. Check it out. Come join us, and uh, maybe you'll catch me in a draft. And if you do, say hello. You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. That's Todd with one D, and we'll see you next week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.